Welcome back to another episode of The Bonnet Talks with your host, Amma Apia. In today's episode, we have special guest Cecil R. Bo, an influencer from Denmark, currently living in Seoul, South Korea. She took the risk of moving to South Korea at age 19 without any plans, and two years later, she's a successful entrepreneur and influencer. Cecil takes us on her journey of moving to a foreign country instead of opting for the typical university route. She shares her insights on the importance of risk-taking, impacts that cultural differences have had on her life, creating a new strong support system in a different country, and just living in the moment and being free. I loved this episode because I could relate to Cecil in so many ways because number one, we are both Virgos and you know, just Virgo energy is honestly so amazing. And (laughs) her experiences are just interesting to apply to my own life. She's so free spirited and she's so wise at such a young age. And it's amazing how driven she is as well. Very ambitious. You know, she really looks to create opportunities for herself and that's what she hopes to inspire her audience to do. Remember something she had said was that, you know, she was moving to Korea with no plans, which means that in terms of financial income and security, what what does that even mean? Um, and here she is two years later starting her own skincare line called Sin Beauty and she's on her second product launch now. So it's so amazing how she's really created this life for herself and designed a life that she's always dreamed of and I'm so proud of her and I'm so glad that she has decided that her goal is to help her audience also realize that and I think that's really amazing and that's really in line with what I value and what I try to do with my show and everything I'm so lucky to have someone like her on the show and someone like her just to get to know um so once again thank you Cecil really appreciate you and if you want to follow her social media channels I have listed them all down below including her uh link to her skincare line as well so please check that out if you haven't yet and a minor FYI so the audio and this episode might be a little bit off from my end. I think my mic was really quiet um, versus Cecil's, but I did try to level it off for you guys. So hopefully it sounds okay. But if my just my apologies in advance, I really wish it didn't happen with this episode. Overall, I still think it's okay for now. So um, if you are in America, have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And if you're anywhere else, have a nice Monday. Be safe. Wear your masks, fellas, please, for the love of God. <laughs> and I will talk to you all very soon. Have a nice week. Bye. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad that it worked. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? My name is Ama. Um, it's so nice to meet you. And thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I know with the time difference, it's insane. Um, and so I really appreciate it. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And I'm so, I'm so excited to speak with you. I really think you are so incredible and such a good person for people to look to and um, just hear your story. And that is why I said, you know what, let me just email her and see if she's interested. And I'm so glad that you are and that you're here. Oh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on here. It's it's an honor. (laughs) No, it's an honor for me. Oh my goodness. I have been someone who's been watching your content for about, I want to say, a year and a half or so it's a little bit after you um you came to korea actually so and i i feel like i know which seems like a world away right (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh god it feels like a lifetime away (laughs) yeah um and it's funny I, i came across your channel because i was someone who i graduated last year um from from university and um, I've always been interested in Korean culture in general from K-pop because you know that's naturally how people (laughs) a lot of people usually find out about Korean the amazing Korean culture 
And um, I actually have started to learn Korean for the past year. And so I started watching a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I started watching a lot more um, YouTube videos. And um, I just had come across your videos. Um, and I thought they were so incredible and just so captivating and how you were able to convey your spirit as well as the spirit of Korea as well. So um, I think it's, it's just so great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I'm feeling so wow. <laughs> it's a lot of compliments. Hard to it. <laughs> oh, of course. No, I have to tell you because I feel like it's so important. You know, just it's so motivating too. So I, I always, when I'm on the show, I always try and you know give that credit and tell people how I how they make me feel and how their content makes me feel and um, hopefully that gives you a sense of really the work that the kind of work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exciting, learning Korean as well. I know, I know. You know what? I, I have always just generally been interested in Korean culture, and I'm a dancer, so I love the choreography. Love the choreography. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I was, um, I, I've always done this, and we can talk about this in the podcast too, but I know that you like Girls' Generation. I think that's is yes. that how you started liking <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. I was, you know, the biggest fan ever. It's it's not even real. Like I was it was in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if anything, that is the group to be like, yes. So um I loved K pop because of Girls Generation G, obviously the iconic like yes. you can't think of K pop without that song. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, and all of these BTS followers, they don't know what was there no, back in the time. <laughs> no, and as someone who is, I am a BTS, huge, huge BTS fan. I'm just like, let's yeah. go back to 2009, G Girls Generation. Yeah. Uh, let's see your reaction first. Then we'll go. <laughs> I will talk about BTS. I love it. But um, I know you love Girls Generation, and that's how I got started with K-pop too. And um, I remember, like, when I was younger, like, memorizing the music video, dance, like, everything, the choreography. And um, this past year, after I graduated from uni, I um, was like, okay, well, what the hell do I do? Like, I need to figure myself out. Like, now, all of a sudden, I have all this time. So um, I remember hearing a BTS song. It was Boy With Love uh, featuring Halsey on an award show was the billboard awards and there was that performance alone was very historic because for a korean group to come on Bill, america's billboard music awards huge deal yeah and uh yeah. i remember hearing the song and i was like this is kind of catchy like i really like it and then um <laughs> i was like starting to you know do dance again and everything and i said in my mind i was i just remembered that song and the choreography and i was like okay i'm gonna learn how to do it so of course i learned it and then I was like, oh, like, they're kind of cute. Like, I kind of want to watch an interview. <laughs> so, of course, I naturally had to watch an interview. And Cecil, I was so, I don't know what it is, but, like, I had the captions on, the English captions. And I was just so annoyed to have them on. I was like, I, they're laughing. Like, I kind of want to understand why they're laughing. I want the, the cultural context. Like, I feel with FOMO. I feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what did I do, Cecil? I, from that moment, I was like, okay, I'm just going to study Korean. Like literally like that from that second. Um, and I've fallen in love with it. And I've just have, you know, I've or, or again, I've been exposed to Korean culture before because of K-pop, but I, like learning the language and getting more into things. Like I've just been exposed to such, I don't mean, it's just, you know, I mean, you live there, you live in Seoul, Korea, but 
you're beautiful and amazing. And, um, and that's why I, I really respect you and your story because you really, um, as a foreigner, you went, you took the dive in and you said, I'm going to go move to Korea and I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And that's kind of how I felt with learning this language. I was like, I don't really know what mm. I'm going to do with this. <laughs> But um, it opened up so it opened up my world so much for me, and now I can even see myself doing things career-wise with it, and I, I just love it. Um, and so yeah, that's, that's amazing. Why, yeah, so that's why I, I really wanted to bring you on, uh, especially on the show, because you know on this show we talk about being a twenty-something-year-old and the crazy things that go come along with it, like everyone knows. And um, I just think it's so interesting that you just took such a big risk and you believe in yourself enough to take that risk and say, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen there, but I believe in myself enough that I'm capable of making it. And I know this is something new for me. And, um, I, I just respect you so much for that. And that's why I wanted to bring you on to kind of talk about taking risks, what that looks yeah. like, how you feel, what it's like to be, you know, a 20 something year old in a different country as a foreigner like what are the things that you go through how you feel you know just all those things yeah <laughs> yeah oh god <laughs> yeah no i know before we get into the episode i want to do a quick rapid fire question kind of thing um so i'm gonna have like some like four to five questions just tell me what your immediate instinct is what you're thinking right away okay so okay. something that people might not know about Cecil is that she actually studied Chinese for about a year, right? A year or so? Yeah. Yes. And right. you are recently starting to formally study Korean. Did you stop your classes? I couldn't, I can't remember. Okay, you did. Did you take a pause on the classes? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So in your mind right now, immediately, do you prefer studying Korean or Chinese? Oh, 100% Korean. Really? Oh, yes. Chinese. Yeah. Korean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Why? I mean, exactly. You know, it's more, anything is always more fun when you're better at it, right? And <laughs> Chinese pronunciation is so hard, it's ridiculous. Oh. Like, it is, uh, I love the aspect of actually learning the, the signs and, you know, memorizing those, while contrary to Korea, you have to memorize them instead of reading them. So yeah. I actually like that. Okay. But pronunciation, oh God, that was a headache. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's funny because, so uh, Chinese is something I definitely want to learn um, for sure, especially because I am an, a new business student. Um, I'm about, I just started grad school today. Oh my God. I'm still oh, congratulations. A lot of business students do um, study Chinese because obviously China is a huge economic power. Um, and so that's something that I wanted to learn because of that. And I also just in general love learning languages. My family's from Ghana. So I've grown up having like a, in a bilingual household um, and one of my dance um, studios, uh, when I lived in Boston, Massachusetts, um, was taught fully in Chinese. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So imagine me learning dance steps, and I have no idea, <laughs> no, no clue about anything in Chinese. Like, absolutely no idea. And so I had to pick up little things right from dance class. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should learn Chinese. I tried for one day. I was like, I can't do, but I can't do it. I, I'm studying yeah. Korean right now. I got to see that. <laughs> I mean, it is hard. We're in that dance class where they're like counting in Chinese. Yeah. And then like you have to dance on the beats. Yes. <laughs> Imagine. Okay. Like I was like, I can't multitask like this. My brain is literally glitching. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. 
is so funny. <laughs> Number two, what is your favorite city in Korea? My favorite city in Korea is Busan. In the summer. In the summer. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, and Busan is a, like a beach city, beach kind of town. Exactly. Yeah. It, but it's like the, the funny kind of, you know, it's all very obviously a big city with, with high buildings and everything, but right on the shore there is the high buildings and then the beach in front of it. So it's just kind of a magic, uh, oh, wow. I don't know, like half and half kind of thing. I really like it. It's like nice to have the best of both worlds. I feel like especially living in Seoul where it's so like busy all the time, isn't it? Yeah, it is very busy. And, you know, actually Busan people, they tend to be more loose they're very less spare they like all the young people have a ton of tattoos and they just don't really care much which i love like yeah wow i love that it feels like it just it must be like a whole different world almost <laughs> yeah it yeah. is like a different country i love it <laughs> wow i love that okay number three what is one word that comes to mind that sums up your experience in korea uh fast Fast. Everything is fast. I mean, I change fast. I develop fast, but I also feel like the time is going too fast. I feel like it's, mm. it's uh, like, uh, you know, you have at one point, I feel like I've been living here for five days. But then on the other hand, I feel like I've been living here for 10 years because you learn everything so fast right. and create a very adaptable country. Like you, wow. when you come here, you just mingle right in. Like it's, mm -hmm. I mean, at least yeah. that was my experience. So yeah, it's it's fast. <laughs> wow, was it hard to keep up at first? Um, if it was hard, it was. I was very fortunate to come here and actually know some people already who could help me a lot. So I think I had a lot more of an easy time than other foreigners have coming here. Okay, got it. Okay, interesting. That's good to know because I'm gonna be studying abroad there. I think. 2022 if corona lets up oh hit me up <laughs> yeah i will be i will be messaging you girl because listen That's amazing if miss rona does not let up i will be very upset. oh any place is more safe than america right now so come over here quickly girl <laughs> okay number five or four i at this point i feel like i feel like we've been talking for so long and i love it and i've just kind of gotten like <laughs> you're around Whatever the listeners, whatever number you guys can probably count better than I am. Whatever number it is, K-pop uh, girl groups or boy groups, girl groups. Really? Yes, one hundred percent. Why? Why? I mean, first of all, like I don't really listen to to K-pop anymore, okay. but I know when I was younger, I listened a lot to it, and for sure, girl groups were my big obsession. As you know, I was a huge Girls Generation fan, mm -hmm. and I just, you know, I feel like. I looked up to these girls a lot. They were so like the way they carried themselves on, they were so confident and everything. And so I kind of like viewed myself in it. And I've never really, you know, a lot of these, these K-pop fans, they're always like, oh, this, this guy is so handsome and everything. And that K-pop style just does not speak to me. Like the guys, I'm like, <laughs> no. And, but this girl here, she's very hot though. <laughs> Other than girls' generation, who are your other like girl groups that you really liked? Um, oh, so I, oh God, I loved them all. Like I loved 21. I loved like FX. Actually, funny story. I met Luna from FX the other day and 
my 13-year-old Cecil just melted inside. I thought she spoke English, so I started speaking English, but then she looked at me like I was like speaking an alien language. And then, okay, I'm so sorry. Then there was kind of an, an awkward introduction. Then we had to switch over in Korean. Oh my but. gosh. That, that's actually so funny. I wouldn't know what to do in that moment. You're fast because I would just be like, all right, well, I guess we'll just... <laughs> It happens a lot because, like, you know, there's so many um, Korean American, no, like Korean people who studied in America here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of young people actually are surprisingly fluent in Korean, like, no, in English. They're better than me usually. And so with that, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about yourself. I mean, I could talk about. I always say this on my show, but I just think I bring on honestly the best guests ever, and I they're so interesting, <laughs> and I could really talk about all the amazing things you've done, but I would really love to give the platform to you to introduce yourself, what you've been up to, your background, anything you'd like to talk about, Cecil. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, well, you know, I'm always very good at speaking, but suddenly when it's about me, I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, (laughs) Well, um, okay, so uh, I'm, my name is Cecil, and uh, I'm actually a Danish person. I was born and raised in Denmark, uh, completely Danish, and then I became, you know, like many other people, like a K-pop fan when I was a young teenager. I think I was young, like early to the trend on the sense that it wasn't really in Europe yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had a little bit of a fascination towards Asia and, and, you know, didn't know much about Korea, but then I started learning more, and at... 19 years old, I finally moved to Korea after having been doing YouTube. So, well, that's that's an important factor, sorry. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> I, <laughs> I started uh, making videos when I was in um, what is considered high school, I guess. So when I was uh, 15, I think I was. Wow. Then I started making some videos um, about like, uh, I did like Korean inspired makeup looks. So for um, K-pop idols, I recreated their makeup style that they were wearing. And um, yeah, from there it just grew and very quickly actually I signed with a Korean company. And so that allowed me to work with a management company in Korea for several years before I actually moved here. So um, yeah, then uh, when I was 19, I finally moved to Korea. And since then I have been living on my own, working as a YouTuber and doing some side jobs as well, like modeling and such. And uh, yeah, in general, my big dream in life was just to be independent. And I remember very, since I was very young, my mom said that I was never, you know, I never wanted to sit on my parents' laps and sit still. I always wanted to get away from them to like, do my own thing you know <laughs> so I think uh, it's very me it's it's not really a surprise to either my parents or my friends that I wanted to not not just move to Sweden but move to the other side of the world <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that so much and I think that's I think that's what is so charming about you and just amazing to see is that you're just so again it, your spirit really shines through your content like you're just so free you, you love interacting with people. You love, even in the way you even do your Q&As and talk about your life, it's just very free and just, I, I don't know, it just gives me a refreshing feeling. And so I, you, it definitely shows through your content. Now, I remember you mentioning, I remember a while back or something, you had said that you actually had thought about moving to Shanghai, China. Yeah. So was what was um like what made you pick Seoul instead of China? Because you did study Chinese for about a year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, the reason why I wanted to move to Shanghai was because um, I, I I really liked 
I loved studying Chinese. I had so much fun doing that. And the reason why I actually studied Chinese in the first place was because I was preparing myself to go to a university in Copenhagen that was uh, Asian studies. And in that sense, I had to be fluent in, in Chinese, not fluent, but at least being able to speak to a certain fluency. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could either take an extra year in university to do that, or I could decide to move to China and get fluent that way. And as I said, I always wanted to be very independent and actually being away from the people that usually were my you know, guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was why I was really attracted to the idea of moving to, to, uh, to China. But um, as like, as a young person who has a lot of things they want to do, I just realized at one point that, you know, the reason why I want to move to China right now is because I'm preparing for a future in a Danish university to get a job uh, working with, I don't know, trading or something together with Asia and Denmark. And I was just realizing that all of these things that I wanted to do was actually because I was preparing for something next in my life. And I just realized I was so tired of that. I don't, I don't want to do stuff because I'm preparing for what is coming in a few years. I want to do stuff because I like what's what I'm doing now. And so thankfully I've been actually, because I started doing YouTube a few years prior to that, I were already working with a Korean company and they actually told me, Cecil, if you're moving to Asia, why are you moving to Shanghai? Why don't we focus on creating a full-time YouTube career for you so you can come to Korea and then we'll sponsor your visa, which was uh, what they did. So that was why I changed my mind. Wow. And I think what you just said was so important because I think, I mean, at least it's interesting you say this as someone who's born in Denmark. I think in American culture, we are definitely always focus on the next step, what's to come in the future, right? So, you know, there's also always that natural progression and you go, you go to high school, you're supposed to go to university, then you get this job and it's like, then what? And we never really focus yeah. on the present and how we feel in the present moment either. And I think that we just get so rushed and like through this process that we never even get the chance to actually process. Like we get, we go, we're going through a process, but then we don't even process ourselves. Like, what do we want to do? How do we feel about things? Who do we want to be in life? You know, it's it's Mm. interesting. And so, and I think that's something what you had just said, you know, I didn't, I didn't move to Seoul, South Korea, but I, for once I, I was, I said this on the podcast before, but I was a pre-med student, meaning that I, my goal was to go to medical school. And for Mm. once I said, I actually don't really want to do that, but I never really had a backup plan for that. It was kind of like, Okay, well, I'm not going to school, but what do I do now? Um, And for once, I had to—I was forced to confront the present and what I wanted to do, and um, how I wanted to go about life, and what I really wanted to get out of it. Um, And I think it's so amazing that you realize that you know at what age, eighteen, age nineteen, that you really wanted to focus on what made you happy and 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 what makes you you. Yeah, I think it's very like the, it's a lot of people, they put a lot of value into having a backup plan to every aspect of their life. And I think actually that limits their creativity and their ability to actually think really deeply what they really want. Because usually a backup plan is because it's to prevent you from an accident, which is usually, oh, you might not get a job in the future or you might not do this and this and that. But, you know, life has this, has its way of actually making things work out anyways. So it, yeah, we should just be more laid back in our lives, I think. Exactly. And I think that makes us, I think also by, by always being planners, especially, okay, I'm a Virgo. So like, the Same. Planner, 
He's like, <laughs> oh my god, Planner Central. <laughs> exactly. Planner. See, this was a very hard conclusion to come to as a Virgo. <laughs> was like, yes. So you got you, you me. Spiritual exactly. <laughs> it's your birthday soon, too, then. September 4th, 1997. Oh my god. When's, oh, your, birthday? When's your birthday? September 12th. Oh, we're very close. Oh, girl. Virgo. Congratulations soon. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to you, too. Oh my god. No, so you. That's actually funny. September 4th. That is hilarious, actually. I love that for us. I really do. But you get it. So it's like Planner Central, Planner City. Like, if we don't know what we're doing, it's like. (laughs) I think we got to learn, Virgos got to learn to focus their planning on their grocery list instead of their life planning. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Look at that. Yes. I agree 100%. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And I think, you know, by us planning so much and trying to always thinking in the frame of mind of having a backup plan, it makes us almost scared to make mistakes and it makes us scared to do make have failures, which isn't good because you need that to grow. And especially for you and your story, you know, there could have been anything that could have gone wrong. Who kn- Like, you know, right. It's you're, you're a foreigner. You're moving to another country. You're immersing yourself in an entirely different culture and you have no idea what to expect. But you still did it anyway. And as a planner, you, God bless your soul. Because, <laughs> girl, I would have been having a field day in my mind. I would have been like, oh my God. Well, inside my mind, it was very, like, like very tumbled. I, I didn't know what was up and down in my thoughts. But at yeah. least I think on the outside, I looked a little bit more calm and content. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we're good at. Pretend yeah. Five. We're like, yep, we're great. <laughs> I have everything under control. <laughs> so it makes me think, so, you know, take me back to what is it, almost two years now, right? When you decided yeah. to move to Korea. So take me back to that moment. You know, what were you thinking? You told me you decided to you work abroad and do this because you wanted something new. You wanted this new adventure. And, you know, what were you generally trying to get out of it? Because, right, you can't plan for what could happen right but you could know exactly the experience at least you wanted to get as a person like how you wanted to grow what take yeah. me back to those moments when we were deciding this what were you hoping to get out of it um well so actually you know um as i said the whole decision came because i wanted something that was meant for me and not to fit into an institution right. um and so what my my ultimate goal actually was was just to have and an interesting, exciting life. Like I didn't want to live this normal life. I go through the school, I go through the full system and then I end up in a job and then I only work because I'm only focused on retiring. And like, you know, I didn't want to live a life like that. So I, I'm very bad at, at living in a daily life cycle, you know, wake up, go to school, do homework, go back, sleep. Mm-hmm. and then do it all over again like I did that for 13 years in school and I was done like I yeah. did not want it oh, so like not saying that I'm not going to university someday because I don't want to plan for that I, you know if it happens it happens then that's what I want in that moment but mm-hmm. I just wanted something that was completely out of the ordinary because I feel like it's very some people thrive in this kind of cycle very well but for me personally I don't think I would ever be able to actually 
develop as a person, as an individual person, not as a person in a society, but, you know, as me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I don't think I will ever be able to develop like that in, in an environment set like that. So I wanted to create more of a dynamic life for myself. Yeah, no, and that I, it makes complete sense. And that I actually really relate to that because I, when I graduated from, from uni, that was, I had a full-time job and the first month or so, that's exactly how I felt. And I was like, is this how it's going to be until I literally have to retire? Like for the rest of my life, like this sucks. (laughs) Did I just graduate all of these years from school to experience this? (laughs) This, I'm like, this is what people are excited about. You know, when you're you're younger, you're like, I want to grow up. I want to be independent. I want to do, I'm like, this is what this is. Uh, I was like offended. I was like, who? (laughs) Who lied here? So it it could be so draining too, just to be experiencing that same thing over Mm. and over again. Exactly. I mean, no wonder people experience burnout in life. I mean, it's no surprise. It's crazy. And so, you know, when you first moved and you knew what you kind of wanted out of this, right? What were some of the things that you did to help adjust to your new lifestyle and to help you get to that growth goal of yours? Oh, I mean, I was under a lot of like emotional stress. I feel like when I moved to Korea, because it was all very new and, you know, you don't know anything until you're actually in the situation. You can only plan so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, it was very stressful in my head for me. And I feel like what kind of, got me through it was I I allowed myself to ask for help because I'm not very good at asking for help. I want to do everything myself. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, it was not good. So then I, I, I I took content to like to contact to another girl who lived here who was Danish as well so that I could at least, you know, get a Danish perspective of, of it. And uh, believe it or not, when I moved here, my English wasn't at the level that it is now. It was worse than that. <laughs> so, no way. I wanted, yeah, it, 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 like, I speak a lot more English here than I speak Danish, obviously. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I allow myself to ask for help and, and that helped it through a lot. Um, but I actually wish that I might have took it down a notch because then I learned, oh, life is so easy when you just ask for help. So I actually, like, in the beginning, got my friends to do all my stuff for me. And then when those friends were no longer around, I was like, oh, shit, no. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Uh, oh. Man, I used to depend a lot on my ex-boyfriend here. Like, he did everything for me. He took my phone calls, everything. So when he left, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. No, it's always, it's always like hard to find a balance too. And I feel like also give yourself some credit too, because honestly, when you move to a new country and you really, if you're really immersed in this new culture alone, you know, once you find people you can depend on, like, of course, you know, you, you're going to rely on them and because it gives you that sense of comfort almost too. It's like, okay, whew, I can breathe because I have them and they understand. And so give yourself more credit. I know it's like, it's like I should have, but pat on the shoulder <laughs> i'll pat virtually <laughs> oh yes thank you thank you. i feel it <laughs> by adjusting to this new lifestyle like this what were some of the things that you discovered about yourself was there anything that surprised you man i think i just really discovered how i didn't want to live my life you know because i finally felt 
like I was in an in a daily cycle that I actually really enjoyed and I realized you know the extent of my creativity and how much you know I could actually do by myself and how much I could develop by myself and I realized that I was kind of trapped back in Denmark um mm. so I learned that I'm actually a really like adaptable person very free um and so obviously I feel like also I realized that you know because I was feeling a lot of pressure about the fact that I wasn't going to university so yeah. I realized that you know I don't need that you know, we I can learn exactly what I need to learn by actually being in the situation instead of, you know, learning about the situation in theory. So I like, yeah, I just learned that we can do, we can do everything we want. We just got to listen to ourselves. And I became a lot more confident in, in listening to myself and, you know, finding out what I truly wanted. You know, you, you really, if you're on your own legs in a different country, you have to really, really find your own true self and yeah. stick by that because if you don't you lose your you, you lose yourself in the way I, I find it really interesting that you talk about the creative aspect because that's also something I realize about myself I mean here again I didn't travel but I yeah. um realize how creative you can be when you're put in situations that are just so unfamiliar to you because you're forced to come up with something to help you make sense of your environment, right? So when you don't have that immediately come to you, now it's like, okay, well, I have to confront this. I have to do this. What are the ways that I can do that? What are the ways that work best for me and allow me to still grow and not feel like I'm kind of going and going but not getting anywhere, right? Um, yeah. And I think that is where we really also find creativity, but also help. it also helps us to recognize and be creative with um, how our own voice sounds. So like in, in terms of like knowing what our voice is and then knowing what we want it to be to other people and what we want to put out into the world. Um, yeah. And I think it's so, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, I, I can see, I can also see, you know, in your content, even in the way you, like the creativity in your editing and in the way you present yourself, there's a big shift. There's a big growth. And I yeah. think that in myself too, with the way I even talk about my podcast or even my YouTube or like the way I talk to, to my friends and things like that, you just feel more confident. As you said, you feel more confident in what, who you are and what you're doing. And you also, I feel like can recognize like when something is like not the best kind of thing, you know, like mm. when something's like, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not vibing with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which could have been hard. Which could have been hard to do before the fact. Yeah, when it comes back to creativity and stuff like that, and how exactly. you really convey it that. Does. Yeah, and I also want to add, like, I before I moved to Korea, I didn't, I didn't identify myself a lot with the fact that I'm Danish. But when I moved to another country, I put my national identity you know, up to comparison. And so I have never felt more Danish and more in love with my own country until the day that I moved away from it. And I really love that because I'm, I, I love my country. I love my culture and I really want to embrace the best of it. But before I moved here, I thought Denmark was one of the most boring, boring countries ever. <laughs> and like, I didn't see anything specifically interesting about it. I always learned about, you know, 
wow, like the culture in India and the culture in China and the culture in, uh, I don't know, Italy. Like it was so like obvious to me what the, the definition of these cultures were, but I don't, I didn't know what was Danish culture until I moved away. And I feel like it's so, I appreciate that a lot. Like I really love my roots and why I do certain things. And yeah, I'm really thankful that I got the opportunity to, you know, appreciate my, my country that much. <laughs> no, right. And I, I agree. I really do. And I think that's why it's so important to really take ourselves out of the bubble that we're in. I mm. talk about this all, all the time on the show, but, you know, things like the Black Lives Matter movement and talking about race and diversity and the perspectives that people have um, that they create based on their, you know, very valid experiences. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't know what your experience means or what your identity means until you step out of that bubble, right? And so that's why it's yeah. so important to, you know, connect yourself and place yourself in situations where you can really gain different perspectives and different um you know, learn from different people so you can kind of get a better sense of yourself because it also, it shapes your perspectives on different issues, right? But it also shapes a perspective on who you are. And it makes you also question certain things like, okay, well, why do I think this way? Or why do we believe this? And is this something that I really identify with? My family's from Ghana and um, more and more, especially I, same thing I've realized, you know, I've had to um, you know, being in this, this new business program that I'm in, I've had to reintroduce myself to a lot of people. Right. So I'm used to like at, at school, like people knew me, like, you know, you're, when you're ever you're in an environment for a long period of time, obviously you get comfortable. Right. Yeah. And so being in, um, a new environment in this new school, graduate school, I have a lot of, there's a lot of international students in my class as well, which is awesome. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. It's really great. So I, I just learned today. It's like 45% international students. And I'm like, hell yeah. I love this. <laughs> Oh, love that. It's the best thing ever to myself. And the reason why I mentioned this reintroduction part in particular is because my name is Ama. It's a Ghanaian name. And I've grown up in an environment where it's predominantly white and, you know, people aren't used to that kind of name. So, you know, get made fun of. You get, you grow up and you're like, oh, like I resent my name. Like, I, I, why can't I fit in, right? Yeah. And my name has so much culture connected to it. And there's a story behind it. And yeah. I had to think about my name a lot more often, which sounds silly, but it, I did because of my reintroductions. Mm. And it made me realize kind of similar to you, like how essential that cultural identity is with mine. Um, exactly. My own, right. You know, me, me as a person, like Ama as a person, there's Ama. Yes. That's a Ghanaian, right? Like that culture, but there's also Ama me like as a person. And that part is so essential. You can't have things that are separate. They're together. And so it's really made me give critical thought as to how I'm presenting myself and what, um, like what I say to people. And, and, and I really do every single time I introduce myself or I, you know, anytime we have like deeper conversations or we talk, like I always bring that up because no matter what, that is part of my identity and I'm so proud of it. And it's made me even more curious to know more about my culture and things like that. So um, I think that's why it's so important that we, you and I like do things like this where we put ourselves in environments where it's outside of our own, because not only are you appreciating, appreciating other cultures, but you end up appreciating your own and your own identity, which exactly. can make you very confident. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is really like, I feel like until that kind of realization, it's very normal, sadly, for people to be ashamed of their culture. And especially people who are coming with, you know, 
like you, you're from uh, Ghana, which is a country where, you know, there has been, you know, you guys have a lot more issues than me when I say, like, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, a white girl, I might as well be American. Like, it was Im- so important for especially minorities in, you know, America such that they, like, embrace their culture and share the knowledge of it. Because the whole, you know, every, all of this hate and criticism and such is always based on people not knowing anything. So I think it's so beautiful and so important that you are embracing that now. And I, yeah, I want to give you that credit. That's amazing. In that, talking about culture and everything, you know, how has Korean culture in particular impacted how you view yourself or live your life? And that could be, you know, positive or negative, because I do want to point this out that I think this happens a lot with, especially like K-pop, for example, we tend to put things on a pedestal, right? Because like, oh, the K-pop, that's incredible. Like you, you, people miss, you know, the little nuances that maybe you could agree with, or maybe you disagree with, and there's, there's good and bad to anything and everything. So I want to include that too, in case that's part of your experience, but um, you know, how has Korean culture impacted you and how you view yourself or live your life? Oh God. <laughs> okay, so I know so I keep asking all these like really big daunting questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it. It's very existential actually. Um, <laughs> so I like, you know, I had the same view as a lot of people who who has only seen Korea from the drama and K-pop kind of kind of like you know, side. I had that feeling as well before I came here. And you know. Korea is presented as this really flawless country, um, very like utopian kind of feel. And oh God, the more I'm here, the more I realize that Korea is very, very faulted. They, there are so many aspects of the culture here that just does not make sense at all. And I mean, it, it, I understand it because it's a country that only within the past 70 years has been economically evolving. Like it was, it was set back centuries and decades and centuries like after before that time so i understand that it's very late in development but but um i think it's important that we like keep credit like ourselves um to criticize the culture um you know not to korean people that can be very disrespectful but at least be aware of stuff that's not at the best and one of those things is how men treat women here and there is still this really, really big gap between men and women and what is expected of them, what is accepted, acceptable from them. And me personally, being an independent entrepreneur here who I'm very, very extroverted. I like to talk and I like to really engage in conversation. Um, and I feel like a lot of men, especially here, are very intimidated by a woman like that. And it's uh, it's very it's. It's very hard to get used to and i i say that actually not meaning it because i don't want to get used to it i want to keep criticizing these people um to you know develop and that was one of the things where as you come here as a foreigner you have to you have to really decide which aspects of korean culture are you gonna respect because it's you know the culture and which ones are you gonna keep pushing through your your, your beliefs like, I don't think that a man is allowed to tell me that I shouldn't, you know, eat this muffin because I'll get fat and guys won't like me. Because that is some very normal thing for a man to tell you in Korea. They will just tell it blank up because it's very acceptable to say. And that is an example of one of those things of a culture because it's very culturally rooted. Um, where 
as a foreigner, I think they have to decide, do I want to stand up to it or do I want to respect the culture? Because, you know, as a foreigner who, who fights back and stuff like this, for a Korean person, that might seem like, oh, like, you don't, you're just coming here and changing the culture. But it's stuff that certainly should be changed, you know? So it's very, very, you, you find yourself in this weird dilemma of where is the line between, you know, constructive criticism to the culture and actually disrespecting the culture. Um, yeah, so Korea is definitely very flawed in that sense. And I love that there are so many foreigners on TV right now who speaks up against these things. For example, I don't know if you, you have heard about it, but one, he's actually a Ghanaian uh, man. His name is Sam Ochori. He is very, very, very famous here. Yeah, he's, he's on TV, he's amazing. And he just recently posted on his Instagram. Uh, so he's been living here for a long time. He's fluent in Korean, for those of you who don't know. And he posted on his Instagram a screenshot from a TV show, um, or I don't remember if it was a TV show or if it was like, a, I think it was just some, some high schoolers who they like they did blackface and he posted it on his instagram explaining in korean why this is bad why this is not acceptable and he was forced by korean people by the media by everything to take this post down and apologize for it what and that is like you know you know how behind can they be on this and i mean it's understandable since they're a fully Asian country but you know we're in 2020 and so that is why I think it's very important that foreigners right now they stick together and they put these things continuously up and try to change Korean culture for the better in that sense um so yeah that is just one of the I mean he took it down because his life is here and as much as he want to fight it I think it's very hard to make that decision um but it's heartbreaking, <laughs> really heartbreaking. I, if you were, if you were wondering why I was looking over to the side, I looked up the post. Yeah, I didn't see the apology. I saw his. I actually saw um, his post about it initially, and my initial reaction to it was, I was just, I was just genuinely so happy that you yeah. know he recognizes his role, his position, and he stood out and said this. And I, I'm just so. I'm not surprised, you know, I'm not surprised that he had to take it down and repost, but I, it's, uh, 2020, like, really, really, yeah. you know, it, it's, oh. Really, oh, so sad, ah, ah, so, like, frustrating, yeah. but, you know, and that's, you know, that's one of the things where I, uh, I also, you know, I actually posted a video in connection to the George Floyd and I posted a video fully in Korean explaining why it's important for non-American, non-Black people to also speak up about this and show where they stand. Because you can't just stay silent in a situation like this. And I posted it on my Korean platforms and it was fully in Korean, very like explained so people could understand it in a very respectful manner. But the, ama the amount of, of Korean people who just straight up rejected whatever I had to say was very, very sad. Um, and, but I had to, you know, I had to go back and then really, you know, realize that, you know, I know that they're against this, but w that's why I'm doing it, you know? So I had to leave it up and just fight through it and just look away from those kind of comments that are horrible. Um, wow. yeah.
No, but I see, I love how in that sense and no, that, that not so great side of Korean culture has really, I don't want to say shown you because I, I think before, even regardless of all these things, I feel like you've been generally outspoken and you say what you need to. And I never feel like you feel restricted or any of that. I hope I'm not mistaken in saying that, but um, oh, not- <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's what I see. And so I, I, it's interesting how, you know, that side of Korean culture has really shown you or it kind of impacted you in the way of like knowing that you have a role and a platform and you have that voice. So why not use it in that way, no matter exactly. what people say. And I think that alone is so much it's hard to say these things for this country that you're, you know, you're currently staying in and you're working exactly. with, right? So I have so yeah. much respect for you. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think we have that responsibility. And, and in that sense, I'm really actually very, very thankful to my followers mm-hmm. because they always keep me online if there is, because I love to speak up and share these things. Um, but if I'm, saying something wrong or if I am I'm not saying something that should be said because I have a platform my followers are very quickly and my followers are so kind like they're in the most loving way explaining why it's important to me that I do certain things and I feel very blessed for having such a loving community that you know enables me and and and, and educates me and you know tells me what in this sense I should do at some point you know after this amazing time you've had in Korea you did feel like you were ready to go back to Denmark right and apply yeah. university right so mm. um you know what what was the reason behind this because it seems like you know based on everything you're putting out you loved it like you had treasured your time so much in korea um and something you had said i think oh, it was a while ago but you had talked about you know how you, you never really felt lonely um in korea and that was a fear you did have coming into it. Am I correct? Like that was a fear you had coming into it. I think I remember yeah. there was another point in time where later you came back and said you didn't actually feel lonely in Korea and you felt like it was your home, which I thought was such a beautiful thing. And I, it was, so, <laughs> I was so happy watching it. Cause I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's actually I'm so, I'm being serious. Okay. Like I remember watching that being like, wow, like look at this character development. She, that was her biggest fear. And here she is. She's made it home. And then you talked about, you know, you were going home for Christmas. Mm. You you were thinking about just staying in Korea for another six months and uh, calling it a day. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Peace out. I'm done. (laughs) And I'm like, I, I was like, wait a damn minute, hold the hell, rewind the damn video. I was like, what was going on and what was going to be your plan if you decided not to, to stay in Korea and go back home? Oh, God. Well, there was, there was um, a few different factors. And I realized that, you know, after have been living at that time, I, I was have been here for a year and three months like last christmas that was like a year and three months mark approximately and i realized no i didn't realize at the time but now i can see that at that time i had you know proven to myself that i could live on the other side of the world i was working with youtube at that time i wasn't 
as successful as I am with it now, but I was like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it might, might be like, oh man, I'm, I'm, now I prove myself I can do this. (laughs) So, and I was also starting to, you know, I think around that time you start to really wake up when you move to another country and you start to see, you know, everything is not new and exciting anymore, anymore. It's more like now you start to see the flaws and you start to see what is limiting you here. Um, and then also I came home and, and I experienced Copenhagen again. And I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. Everyone here is so, because that was one of my frustrations. It was the people and the open-mindedness that Danish people have, and especially Copenhagen people. Like they're all running around super hippie, super free, super like, oh, and it was beautiful. And I loved it. And the way that Danish people that don't even know you speak to you, how they just like, look you so deep in the eye while they talk to you and really like from their heart says, Oh, so that is so exciting. Oh, can you tell me more about that? Like they're so engaging. And I just felt like, wow, I've been missing out on this. (laughs) What am I doing in Korea? Everyone is so like reserved and like, um, like, I don't know. So all of these things that was suddenly that is not magical about Korea hit me all at once. And then I suddenly, because I went to Denmark, I compared it with all of the things that I had missed about Denmark. So the first thing that I saw was obviously all the good things. Right. So I was like, I was experiencing burnout in Korea. So all of the bad things, I was com- um, comparing them to all of the good things in Denmark that I suddenly saw. And then it was very clear. Yeah, I'm done. I'm going back. But um, I mean, a lot of that pressure came from actually my, I, yeah, I, I was like, Cecil, you've got to go to university, you've got to go to university. And that pressure came back up again. Like I said before, you know, like uh, before I moved to Korea that I had decided, you know, we are going to put that on hold. But it came up again after coming back to, to, uh, to Denmark for the Christmas. And I just started thinking all of these bad thoughts <laughs> that I had been throwing away, you know, a year and a half before that. And so... Yeah, my plan was to go back, start university, get an apartment in Copenhagen, start my life. I also had this slight pressure in the back of my head. I mean, because I've always felt a lot older than I was because the people that I hang around with are at least around like eight to 15 years older than me usually. Ah. So <laughs> they're like getting married, having kids. They're like, um, oh, man. <laughs> the husband It's getting late for me. And I'm, oh, no, you're only 21. So. <laughs> when I'm hanging out with people my age generally I'm like oh, I'm gonna get engaged all right yeah. I need apps right now yes oh man oh so like all of these societal things were pressuring me a little bit but you know the second I set foot back in Korea again I think it was even like two weeks after I came back in Korea I called my dad and I was like yeah no I'm staying <laughs> <laughs> you're like uh, about that. Yeah, exactly. Some of the beautiful things that you real like recognized when you came back to Korea. Um, it was all of my possibilities. Like it was, you know, if I go back to Denmark, I won't be able to do my YouTube stuff as much because people follow me because I live in Korea a lot. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who still, you know, follow me because I'm me, but right. it's my life mostly that's also interesting here. Mm. And so I realized one, I won't be able to do that, uh, like live as freely as I do with YouTube in Denmark. And two, I just, I came back to my Korean friends and I was like, I can't live without you in my life anymore. And I was like feeling this whole, like, 
oh my God, what am I actually leaving behind? And all of the opportunities. And I talked to with my manager and, as well. And she was like telling me straight up to my face, like, Cecil, please don't go. Like you have so much potential and we have all of these great ideas for you and projects for you. And like, oh, I have so much, like I have so much love for my manager. She's always so nice. And uh, like, um, she motivates me a lot, but yeah, I just realized the whole reason why I came to Korea in the first place, it came back to me when I came here, um, you know, eight months ago now, it's back. So, and at that time, I just, you know, I made a decision. I was like, Cecil, either you go back to Denmark now or you stay in Korea, but you completely get rid of that thought in your head that one day you will go back for university. I still don't know if I will do that, but it's like, I need to get rid of that whole thinking in my head because if I keep thinking that the days might end sometime in Korea, then everything I do will be with the back of my head that, but please don't invest too much because you will not be here in a few years, you know? So I just, yeah, it was that, it was everything or nothing. And I choose everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and did you feel like when you went home, you know, what were the conversations like? Were they surrounded by going back to uni? Was that kind of also where that pressure came from? Like, did your parents talk about that a lot? Or is that just something that maybe, you know, when you go home and see your friends, I, I don't know, are, do you have friends in uni? And maybe seeing them in uni, talking about uni, did you feel those pressures from your family and friends? Yeah, I mean, I actually, I felt a little bit of, of pressure from my dad, but he's a very, very traditionally centered man, so. The way um, I feel this, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fathers out there, can you take a jail bill? <laughs> but the bad thing is, like, he really, from the bottom of his heart, of his heart want me to make decisions that makes me happy, but he has this, like, little animal on the other side of his shoulder saying, like, no. Yeah. No, university. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, of course, I, I felt a little bit of pressure. And when I first, you know, expressed the slightest interest in moving back to Denmark and going to university, my whole family was like, yep, that's it. Oh, that's good. We got to find you an apartment. We got to find you this. We got to find you that. Oh, what do you want to study? Oh, so they went like from switch, like 180 degrees immediately when they saw the slightest sign that I was considering going back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so, you know but you know families like they probably miss you too you know and just, yeah. like, having you around and everything but I know what you mean it's where it's like in Ghanaian culture you could only be like three things like a four things a doctor engineer lawyer or like disowned from the family that's it oh like, my <laughs> there's no like in between like you're done like you better be going to university and so a lot of us a lot of us who are in our 20s battle this thing right where it's like yeah follow the status quo because it's the safe option and the safe option doesn't always really make you feel safe it makes other people feel safe right about right and that the people who it, um those people are your family usually right and you know when they 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 feel security and you understand that right because those are your parents you get they want the best for you but it's not always what what you feel is yeah like. exactly oh. but actually the um, that's also one thing that I realized was, you know, I've heard that actually a lot before from many different cultures now and also here in Asia, the thing where, you know, got to be a doctor, got to be a lawyer, got to study all the way. Mm -hmm. um, while actually compared to, to Denmark, 
mm, there is not that pressure at all. I mean, we have the pressure for sure from the society, but Danish people are very, very, uh, you know, have you seen the happiness charge? We're one of the happiest countries in the world. And I think that's because, you know, we're all encouraged to do what we like. Like a lot of parents would be completely happy with their kid being happy, being a garbage man, you know, like <laughs> as long as they're they can survive you know um, yeah. yeah you do you boo but it's <laughs> so yeah i feel like from that sense the pressure is new, new like not at all as big on me um but i think you know at the end of the day i, I can blame my dad as much as i can but i also have standards for myself and i think a lot of those are my own pressures that I give to myself. I like <laughs> oh, I was literally gonna say the same damn thing. I was like, I'm sitting here. Like, yes. I'm, t- I'm. I'm blaming everybody else right now, but we all damn well know that you yourself, Amma, are doing this just to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> well, the pressure of the Virgo, I tell you, girl, <laughs> is the Virgo. I'm so happy for you, and I'm so glad that you also built a really great support system in Korea because I think it's I think the majority of these decisions can be attributed to that support system right you have the support system at home right so it's easy to be like okay I'm gonna go home because that's where my that's where my people are like it's great but the fact that you had a comparable strong support system in Korea says a lot Cecil yeah I'm very I'm very thankful that you know I'm able to to have this many friends here and i'm very thankful for that opportunity but i also see a lot of my followers telling me that i'm blessed to have as many friends that i have and they're struggling with this but you know there's so much wrong with that with that sentence of being blessed to have friends because you don't friends doesn't just like appear in front of you and then you're friends you have to actively go out and pursue these relationships and be open to meeting new people. And especially if you're in another country, you're going to meet people from all over the world. you got to really put down a lot of boundaries that you have. And so it's not about being blessed. It's about, you know, actively going out and, and doing what you can to make the life for you that you want. And I think that's what I want. You know, my main focus, like my, what I want with my channel is to like tell young people that, you can't just sit around and wait for stuff to come to you. You got to go out and actively do it. And if you're not ready for that, then at least sit down, meditate and manifest it, you know? I feel like yes. the word of 2020, manifest, manifest. Exactly. I'm manifesting Corona to end, please. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. We'll, we'll do have a meditation session tomorrow. It's so important that we also take the opportunity to give people the platform like you to like share these stories and just talk about these kinds of things. Cause that sometimes that's just the way we get ideas. And um, it just helps people to know that they're not alone and that they can comfortably talk about these things with anybody because everyone's going through it. It's not just them. Um, yeah. So yeah. And that, that's, I'm so glad that, you know, at your age, cause you're 21, right? 21. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you left home at like 18. So, right. So, and, and you, you figured uh, that out. Yeah. 18, 19. Okay. So you figured that out relatively quickly and, and you're doing this and you're, you're, using your platform for good and i just i just love that i think we we're like the same in that we have that mission and i think it's so important that you know i i think it's so important that these words and these conversations are coming from people like us because we are like when you hear things from your peers it hits you more than like of your parents (laughs) that's just a matter of the fact that's the tea for today 
because the parents have been saying this for ages, but we don't care because they keep saying it. We don't care. <laughs> I was, I think I was following you when, because you're almost at like 600k or something that is that now. Or you are. I'm, I'm 160. Woo. No, but I remember, I, I, when did I follow? It was like a year and a half ago. You definitely were not like close. Like to Yeah, it grows quickly yeah no but you have grown so fast and I think it's because it just people love that message and the way you convey it and you're oh you're just you're great and I, I hope you know that oh, I know I, so I hope much. you tell yourself that too um because sometimes it's it's so hard to visualize ourselves without other people like being like hi like exactly oh thank you so much that means a lot and I want to throw it right back to you I mean your podcast is so great you get so many good you know uh, perspective from different people and especially young women you know it's it's empowering so I really yeah give you thank the respect you so, so much I appreciate that so um with that I will I guess we're ending the episode I'm so sad oh my <laughs> god already <laughs> I know I know I feel like it's I don't know <laughs> Oh my god, this seems like 20 minutes. <laughs> I know it's it's the Virgo, it's the Virgo energy. It's the- <laughs> yeah. going for hours, guys. <laughs> no, but thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. Um, and you're always welcome back to come on. I would love to have you on again. Um, I would love to. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course.